Welcome into Four Down Territory. I am Kyle Madsen. I'm the managing editor at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. As always, alongside me, Doug Farrar, the managing editor of the Touchdown Wire, took a week off for the holidays, but we are back now with our first show of the new year, first show on the first day of the new year. Doug, welcome to 2024. The air smells great. Merry New Year! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I had to do that. <laughs> you were so ready. You were so locked in. Yeah, you were you were a couple minutes late today, and I think that's why. I think you were practicing. Um, I was watching trading places over right. and over to get that exactly correct. Yeah, no, no. I don't know if you know this actually. I have in my background here. This is uh, Lewis Winthorpe and uh, Special Agent Orange uh, Funko Pops right there. Nice. Anyways, shout out trading places. Uh, all right, and and shout out to Week 17. We have one week left of the NFL season, and Week 17 <gasps> was a uh, was a wild one. <laughs> it was a full boat of something. I don't know what, but it was a so, full boat of something. There's a lot going on. And and for first down, we're going to get to the uh, the throttling of the Miami Dolphins by the Baltimore Ravens. So after their 56 to 19 de-pantsing, that's the word here. I'm just going to read this verbatim. De-pantsing of the Miami Dolphins on Sunday, the Ravens. They are now the AFC's number one seed. They're 13 and three. They've won six straight. They crushed the 49ers. They crushed the Dolphins in consecutive weeks. And I mean, it just two very, very decisive wins against teams that uh, one of them finished at the top of their conference and one of the teams that was vying for a spot at the top of their conference. So uh, we can sit here and argue about who, you know, what team's the best in the NFL right now. Uh, but following his third career game in which he put up the maximum quarterback rating, 158.3. Is there anyone but Lamar Jackson who can make a case for the NFL MVP? Yeah, I believe he's tied with Kurt Warner, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger for the most uh, 158.3 games with at least 15 attempts. That's two Hall of Famers, and Ben's a surefire. So there you go. But, but were they quarterbacky enough? I was going to bring up, because I know you do radio, <laughs> and I don't mean you, but for God's sake, that and I'm not going to mention who it was, because there was this radio meathead who said that Lamar Jackson wasn't sufficiently quarterbacky which was a stupid argument in 2019, and it's a really stupid argument now. Yeah. Uh, but no, Lamar is the guy, and with all due respect to CMC, it's not close. Um, he has the, the throws he made and the way he works in Todd Monken's offense and how much they trust him, I think it was all perfectly encapsulated in the fourth and seven throw to Isaiah Leckard, 35-yard touchdown mm -hmm. against the Dolphins, one of his five. And this was fourth and seven. They had a backside kind of three crossers and a crosser to the front side to beat the Dolphins cover one. This is fourth and seven when it's still a kind of a competitive game. And these were all long developing routes. Mm -hmm. And they trusted Lamar to make the right throw, which he did yep. to likely. And by the way, he's, he's moving his head this way. Uh, he wants to look the safety over, which he does. And so the safety's in the safety's in hell. The safety's out because he has to be in three places at right. once. Play design and the way Lamar handles it. At the last possible second, he turns back to likely, like he has a millisecond to make that throw. Mm -hmm. He does it off platform, no look, biscuit in the basket, about fifteen yards right. downfield. And I'm like, M P, it's over. And you know we know about the running stuff. We know about the the deep passes and it, right. It's the consistency. It's the it's the play to play. I'm just going to shred you. And this is the new element with Todd Monken calling the offense. I mean, we know about Greg Roman. He was in SF and he did a few things, and but it kind of kept doing the same things over and over. Monken has opened the thing. The, their last two touchdowns 
Uh, they beat the Dolphins on tight end leak both times. Wants to uh, likely and wants to Ricard. Yeah. Beat them on the same play. When was the last time you saw that happen to a Vic Fangio defense? And you've seen a lot Not of Vic Fangio defenses, right? Doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the combination of Lamar growing as a passer, uh, the receivers around him. I mean, Odell made another one of his Odell catches. Um, the the design of the 75-yard touchdown to Zay Flowers, where they did that cross, uh, what I call CFL motion, where you're mm-hmm. at full speed at the snap. Right. Zay Flowers is running downfield. He's waving his hand like Jimmy Orr in Super Bowl Three. Hey, I'm open. And it's just, <laughs> you know, who is more valuable to his team? Because with the Niners, you could say, well, Purdy's valuable, CMC's valuable, you know, Dak Prescott is obviously valuable. But the way Lamar is doing this, and you can argue that the Ravens' defense is almost better than their offense, but the way the offense is playing right now, and you saw it up close with what they did to the 49ers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lamar's the MVP. He was the youngest ever to win the MVP. It was unanimous. He's going to be the youngest to ever win two. And I don't. I mean, I have a vote. I'm not going to say I'm going to vote for him because I can't say that. But uh, I'm the front week, runner for you. I have a week to figure it out. I don't think it's going to be real hard. Yeah, there's just not like typically when when we do this on four down territory, and and you just pick the answer that I agree with. I'll try and come up with something different just for the sake of the discussion. But with Lamar Jackson, there's just not one. Every box you could want with MVP, the numbers are there. The team record is there. He's the number one seed in the AFC. Oh, but what about his EPA? I don't care. I don't <laughs> like that's not that, that that's <laughs> if EPA is what we're looking at, then you know, throw the voting out the window and just pick the player with the highest EPA per play. Like, I don't so there's the element of because apparently it's a bad thing to have good players around you. I like mm-hmm. Zay Flowers a lot, I think Zay Flowers is a really good player. But yep. Odell Beckham Jr. is not Odell Beckham Jr. in his prime. No. Nelson Aguilar, God love him, is just—he's an—he's an okay player. But he um, makes big plays in that offense. He does, and that's not—and—and—and and, and stay with me. I'm not trying to say these are these are bad players. And then it, and then it's Rashad Bateman who's been you know fine, but it's not Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk or you know pick pick a, a stable of weapons like these are good players but lamar jackson is elevating them versus the other way around well his favorite receiver is mark andrews and mark andrews has been out for what a month right he's been out, right he's been out a long time and and lamar hasn't really skipped a beat the thing that sealed it for me was was uh, and he has the narrative stuff on his side mm-hmm. he's playing really well on a team that's just crushing everybody down the stretch of the season like that's that's uh, every everything that matters in this voting typically is is going toward lamar the, he, there were two things from the Niner game that that sealed it for me. You know, granted, he he if he face planted the last two weeks, maybe it would have changed, but he didn't. So the fact that the Niners defense had a had a fine game plan for for Lamar, yes. there were just so many times where he was individually brilliant, where he'd hang out in the pocket, he'd wait, wait. Niners sticking to their rush lanes, not letting him escape. He would drop his eyes, not to look at the rush, but to find an escape hatch. He'd get out of the pocket, reset his feet, reset his eyes, and then make a throw. And then there was the one play before the half where he took off for like a 31-yard run and was just individually brilliant at that. Like, that's all Lamar. And he's, like I said, he has good players around him, but it's not this all-star cast of pro bowlers and all pros and guys who are creating a ton of yards for him. So I, I'm 
I am all in on the Lamar thing. The other the other aspect of this, you, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey, and Christian McCaffrey's had a, had a really great year. And if you're picking an MVP of the 49ers and you pick him, I, I think that's probably the right the right choice. But go back to that Niners Ravens game. Christian McCaffrey had a very fine game, and the 49ers had nothing for Baltimore. Right. Whereas Baltimore's quarterback took over the game in a way that a running back just, I, 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 frankly, can't. Yeah. So I, I'm I, I think Lamar Jackson's the right answer. I don't think there's a really great argument otherwise. And I would be I would be pretty stunned if he's not the winner. Here's a stat for you per NFL research. The most double digit wins versus teams with a winning record in pro football history. Mm-hmm. Uh the twenty twenty-three Baltimore Ravens and the twenty fourteen New England Patriots are tied with seven. Seven double digit wins versus teams with winning records. The Pottsville Maroons of 1925 uh, are close with six because uh-huh. you cannot stop you cannot stop Hoot Flanagan. You can only hope to contain him. Well, I mean, yeah, that's just yeah. common knowledge. Yeah. But that's <laughs> yeah, how good that's it. They're not, it's not like the Dolphins where they're beating up on, you know, and they're doing it at home. The Cowboys have that problem too. They're just, it, I don't care. I'll play you on the moon. We'll just shred you on both sides of the ball. Of playoff teams, this this just to go to just to belabor that point. Philadelphia among NFC playoff teams has the highest strength of victory at four seventy two. So that's the winning percentage of the teams they've beaten. <laughs> the Ravens are at five twenty nine. <laughs> that is an astronomical number. Yeah. <laughs> that it, it's it's Lamar Jackson, man. Lamar's going to be the MVP. Yeah. He should be, and he has earned the hell out of it. He is the best player in football this year. He is. All right. Second down. R- hmm. Boy. I'm trying. An episode- not, I'm, I'm trying. I try. <laughs> it wouldn't be. I don't even. Do, I didn't do worst of the week this week because it was New Year's Eve, and I I've written a lot less about officiating, but I had to. How, how do you not? Just to just to clarify, we're doing worst of the week. It's just not going to be about the officiating because it wouldn't be an episode of Four Down Territory if we didn't talk about one of the. Uh, in well, this case, be a you know, why in the NFL but some official didn't screw up? Yeah, and 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 the reason this one matters, and we'll get to it here in a second, is because it's it's pretty rare that you look at an officiating mistake and you're like, that was a catastrophic mistake, and it affected the playoff race in the NFC drastically, massively, drastically. massively. So Brad Allen and his crew have now been responsible for some of the most putrid officiating performances, performances, uh, outings, performances, performances, debacles, debacles, whatever you want to say. Um, Yeah, Brad Allen's crew, not great. And according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, (laughs) Allen was put on double secret probation after his crew missed the obvious pass interference call against the Packers cornerback Carrington Valentine back in week 13 in that Chiefs game. And then the ways in which he goofed up all the tackle eligible stuff in the Alliance Cowboys game on Saturday night. That is the talk of the NFL. That is the number one storyline in the NFL, particularly because of all the ways it affected the NFC playoff race. Uh, Not that it was Allen's only miss in the game. Far from it. There was also uh, the the non-call after an obvious P.I. on Cowboys cornerback Jordan Lewis. And then later he flagged Cowboys tight end Peyton Hendershot for tripping Aiden Hutchinson off the edge for the Lions. But actually what happened was Hutchinson was the one tripping Hendershot. They saw a guy move his leg in white pants and it was the side or the down judge, Sarah Thomas, who threw the flag. Like, what do we even do? That call was actually worse than the tackle eligible thing. I I totally agree. Do you not identify which uniform you're looking at? 
Like that's that is step one is what team and what number? <laughs> what city are you from? <laughs> it's just unbelievable, man. So uh yeah. word is that Allen's crew's been downgraded out of the playoffs. But the question I have for you, Doug, is should there be more done here? Should the NFL make a more public statement about the state of officiating by firing everybody on that crew when the regular season's over? Is that how far this needs to go? I, I, you can't do it regular season because I know they have backups of some sort, but I mean, God, officiating is bad enough. You don't want to light crew somewhere in a, another game that could decide, you know, playoffs. Because right. we're to that point now. We have eight, I guess, eight scenarios that'll be affected on Sunday and mm-hmm. Saturday. Um, so fire is asked, but they won't. The NFL is already blaming the Lions. <laughs> for a long time, Dallas NFL reporter Clarence Hill Jr., the NFL does not plan to change the procedure for players reporting as eligible. The league views the situation as an effort by the Lions to engage in deception and gamesmanship that backfired because they sent uh Dan Skipper, they sent uh, Taylor Decker, number 68, who, you know, and they sent Penny Sewell over there. Yeah, they're trying number to get 58. The right. They're trying to fool the Cowboys because then once the guy reports is eligible, the referee has to then go to the other team and say, right. hey, 68 is eligible. Watch out for him. Now, you, you can know, you know that Brad Allen got that wrong because nobody was covering Taylor Decker. And right. So fair enough. Which also tells you that despite the message that Allen and his crew are under more scrutiny, which is how uh, Schefter put it, I said double secret probation because I think Dean Wormer is the NFL commissioner. Uh, they won't be punished for any of it. Not that we know if they were because the NFL rarely makes these things public. Beyond Allen's incompetence, and I can call it that, it's, it's been all season long, yeah. which is beyond debate. I think we now have a situation where the NFL is in bed with so many different gambling partners, they are paralyzed by the need to look mm. above board in all things. That's why there have been so many public statements about the state of officiating, or no public statements about the state of officiating. Roger Goodell's asked about it. I think it's better than it's ever been. You're going to get a few misjudgment calls, and that's it. Right. Boom. Door slam. It's not the case. Um, yeah, that's that's why the NFL doesn't want to be seen taking after its officials. There is now a desperation to have everything look white, clean, and neat when it really isn't. I'm not saying that Allen or anybody else in his crew are crooked. I don't think they're smart enough to be crooked, but they are performing well below the league standpoint, and the league won't do anything about it for all the wrong reasons. So I think we have we have a jam. You know, I think Walt Anderson, the VP of officiating, I don't think he's. And I had this problem with Mike Pereira when he when Pereira was in charge of the officials, mm-hmm. and. I, I think they're they're sort of indulgent fathers when they should be bosses. Right. So it's it's always going to be we're going to stand up for our guys. Uh, yeah. Now, if that's the case, then you have a little, you know, kind of a banana republic over here. Well, it's mm-hmm. up to Goodell or Troy Vincent to say, hey, that, no, that's, this isn't right. Right. But, I mean, maybe they're tearing their hair out in, in private at, at Park, on Park Avenue. But – the public statement is, hey, the officiating is a complete and utter joke. It's a farce. It affects games, and we're fine with it. And I think you will see Brad Allen in the playoffs because the NFL has to make a redemptive statement here. Yes, because if you see – if you're not studying officiating like I do because I'm a dork and it's my <laughs> job, you'll see Brad Allen in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that's that bad guy, but he's in the playoffs, so he can't be that bad. That's why I think you will see Brad Allen in the playoffs because the NFL needs to make a redemptive statement. And if he hoses a team in the postseason like he did the Lions the other night, I understand. I understand what the NFL is saying, and I and I get it to a degree. Where the Lions, you know, tried deception and they deceived the official. 
but like the official's the person who is literally responsible for keeping track of that kind of thing. He was like running away from the three offensive linemen as they were trying to declare themselves eligible. Yeah. He was I, running to the Cowboys because he thought he heard 70. He wasn't even. I don't. I, 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 refs need to be able to be fired. Yeah. And I don't. And, and, and not like not every time there's a missed call, right? Every not. Not. No. Hey, no. there was a bad. The, the Rams Saints non-PI call from a couple years ago. Okay, that was a horrendous non-call. We're not going to fire somebody over one bad call. This Maybe even two. History. This is Correct. a history. Correct. I've written and, about Brad Allen. I've written entire articles about Brad Allen this year five times. On Saturday crazy. night after the game when I was Googling myself, you know, Doug Farrar, Brad Allen, and it's like, boom. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, it's just the league needs to invest more in officials. And I know that they've made some more officials full time and this and this and that, but they need to have like a like like legitimately almost like a feeder system where mm -hmm. some officials get demoted down to this feeder system and hey, you're there and you're in classes or you're on boards or panels or whatever. I don't care what they do with the excess officials. But when you have a history of like I said, failures like this that go beyond oh that was a ticky tack pass interference or or oh they called Kadarius tony offsides correctly whatever whatever it is those like, things will happen right those, make mistakes i mean we make mistakes totally fine. totally but when it is a consistent issue with procedural errors and blatant missed calls like there needs to be there needs to be more accountability than like oh no playoffs for you like that's just not enough it's clearly not enough which again, and so the, i don't I don't believe that for a second. This takes this takes a a sizable undertaking by the NFL. And they can even do it quietly. They don't even have to do this publicly. They can behind closed doors dump money into and I know that's the whole problem. They need to dump the money. NFL is making 15 billion dollars a year and is going to make 20 by the end of this TV deal. Yeah. Right. They take they could they could invest a few million dollars, not even a drop in the bucket for them. And overhaul their officiating entirely. Maybe they work with the UFL and they make that a feeder yeah. league for their officials. And you That's just do idea. just do promotions and demotions like like the English Premier League. Mm -hmm. And hey, you know what? Hey, Brad Allen and his crew, they're doing UFL games for a while. And this UFL crew that's been tearing it up, they're going to be doing NFL games. Like that's that's kind of the sort of thing that needs to happen. Now, like I said, that that's going to take some time and some money and some investment. And does the NFL want to do that? No, they don't. They don't want to invest money in that. They want to be able to just continue going, well, this is the lion's fault. And you know what? It's just a couple of judgment calls because no one's no one's not watching. Like the lions got screwed about as bad as a team can get screwed. Yep. And more on that later, by the way, but they got screwed about as bad as a team can get screwed because now they're they, because of that loss they're They are out of the race for the number one seed. Mm -hmm. If they win that game and the 49ers lose to the Rams next week and the lions win, the lions are the one seed. Like that's Whoops. a, there's a that, there was there was a world where that was real and now Whoops. they're now they're like the the three i think they they may be able to get the two but i think they're they locked into the three they that don't get the buy they yeah. don't get home field throughout they got they got hosed man and the nfl is is going to need to fix that before more teams are are stacking losses and uh getting losing chances at a super bowl because of well, as the, you the said, failures of yeah. the NFL officials. As you said, even if if that was okay, Brad Allen screwed up, but he screwed up, you know, he the missed PI on Jordan Lewis and the preposterous tripping penalty. Yeah. And just his history this year. That's what we're talking about. 
We're not talking about a guy who screwed up one procedural thing. We're talking about a referee and a crew that have made horrible calls all season long, not affecting one team or the other, you know, per se. Mm -hmm. Um, It it winds up that way because in the end, you know, and he, he's at Cleet Blakeman's another one, like the last two minutes of a half, Mm-hmm. Like the last two minutes, either way, it's just like this torrent of penalties so, or non-calls or bad calls. It's just weird. There needs to be, I think the the most, the easiest solution, and again, this would score the league so many points, is if they did the whole eye in the sky thing. There's another, add another official to each crew who sits in a booth watching the game with however many angles. And I know it's supposed to be New York, but no, somebody in the stadium yeah, who is watching live, who can get a quick replay because they can spin a replay around quick as heck, get a quick replay and go, oh, you know what? Hey, that that was a very obvious PI. They call call it down. The refs say, upon further review, pass interference. You know, defense number thirty-eight. No one's gonna get mad because they got the call right. Yeah. And and I get the the notion of or the the argument against that is like, well, then games are going on too long. Like, no, it's not. Yeah. This this adds this adds maybe twelve seconds to a game. Yeah. It's just trying to get get past the the egregious mistakes. Now, I I don't think that would have necessarily helped the Lions on Saturday, yeah. specifically the eye in the sky thing. But uh, a, a lot of the other stuff we're talking about could be fixed very easily with one person in front of a TV. It could be you and me, just in front of a TV. Like, hey, that's that was that was blatantly wrong. Like, there's yeah, no I'm judgment there. That's bullcrap, dude. A hundred hundred percent. Yeah, I, I trust I trust a guy in bar drinking beer watching replay way more than I trust an official who's watching it live on the field in real time. Certainly, Brad Allen, who might as well be you know drinking a huge stein of beer at this point. Good for Maybe him. I, mean, I, I hope that's what he's doing during the playoffs and not officiating and possibly ruining playoffs. Oh boy! All right, let's get to third down. Yep, let's get out of this officiating mess for now. We'll be back to it, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> for this week, uh, you have to pick one of the defending Super Bowl teams to make it back to the NFL's biggest stage. And I get it if you're like, nope, neither. I don't want to pick either the Chiefs or the Eagles. But if I'm telling you, hey, Doug, I'm guaranteeing one of these teams goes back to the Super Bowl, which one are you picking? I'm picking the Chiefs barely because Steve Spagnolo is a badass. <laughs> hmm. I know I know an, a coordinator is doing well when there's the random Doug Farrar tweet about how awesome the coordinator is. Because you're be neck deep in tape and just loving it. They would be a they'd be a six and ten team right now without him. Man. That defense is so good. And it's gone from like 20th to 9th in DVOA in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. And this was a 25, 25 to 17 win over the Bengals. And Bengals are driving. And, you know, but Jay Browning had, had had some moments against the Chiefs and, and full marks to him. And full marks to Zach Taylor, by the way, the Bengals head yeah. coach. He's They're doing a really nice job awesome mm-hmm. um so they're driving and there's one big play to tyler boyd in between that in 50 seconds in 5-0 game clock seconds from 214 to 124 the chiefs had four sacks game <laughs> oh my God. over he spagnolo put that entire franchise's <laughs> neck in a vice and just started going like this like pesci and good fellas Man, all the eye pops. <laughs> it's like God. Jeez. Four sacks and fifty. Four sacks and five plays, and it was Jordan Reed the safety had two, and Karlafkis had one, and I I think oh, oh Chris Jones because Chris Jones is him. of course. Um, but it was all like different schemes, and it was Spags alternated between cover two and two man, which is obviously cover two with man coverage. 
Um, and he knows that that, that that too high stuff is is Browning's sort of kryptonite. Mm -hmm. So it was from the back end to the linebackers to the front and the different fronts. And Reed is coming from three tech and three Reed is coming from the edge. And it's just, you know, and Carl Aftis, that was more of an, you know, just a four man front and effort thing. But um, I'm going to take the chiefs for spags. I have no faith whatsoever in the chiefs offense. When Marquez Valdez Scantling is like, okay, dude, you're running mesh and the ball's six inches behind your hand. Does he have to hit you in the numbers for you to make a public yeah. demonstration against your quarterback? when he has saved your ass how many times Yeah, in the media? Yeah. Um, that offense is broken. By the way, I'm going to tell you my 2023 Chiefs theory. Oh, please. You know how Andy Reid has those uh, State Farm commercials where he does the thing about the nuggies? Yeah. I'm going to get those nuggies, chicken nuggets. Um, so Eric Bieniemy goes to Washington because he wants to, you know, he wants to do it without Andy Reid and, right. you know, prove he can be a head coach. So I think Brett Veach, the GM, comes into his office, says, Andy, who do we need to replace Eric Bieniemy? I think Reed said Nuggies because he had lunch on his mind. Brett Veach said he said Naggy, and everything went downhill from there. I'll buy it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I have no other explanation as to why Matt Nagy is running that offense. It doesn't. It's it's I, not I going it was, great. I think it was a Nuggies mix-up. My hope, my hope is that you that's the me. case. You tell me. I've got no argument against it. That sounds pretty. That sounds pretty spot on. Um, More plausible I, than actually doing it on purpose. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a little afraid for the Chiefs and them going. Well, the offense is fine. The we just need to invest in receiver. Like Rasheed Rice has done a nice job developing. Okay, he's good oh, to he go. Is. But yeah, and he is. But if we just invest more at receiver, then everything will be back to normal and fine again. And. I mean, maybe, but then you're relying and more on Patrick Mahomes in your and offense. You got to start to look at. Might be time to draft that second, you know, franchise tight end. Just saying. Yeah, I, I, so I, I definitely get that, and I've honestly, I've been, I, I do radio out here in Northern California, and since the fourth week of the season, I've been saying I'm leaning on the Chiefs. Figure it out. Give me Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and a, a top. What do you think? Six, seven defense, top five defense. Whatever, wherever you want to place them right now, mm -hmm. a defense that's comfortably top ten, and then give me Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bank on them to figure it out, and maybe they do. Um, I, I maybe I'm just leaning on this because it's my preseason pick, and I I refuse to give it up. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go Eagles, just because if they wind up as the number two seed, they get home games, and Jalen Hurts is I think good enough individually to to win a couple of games we've seen them win a bunch of tough games and grind out tough games and i think their defense frankly stinks uh what the cardinals did to them on sunday was insane mm -hmm. and uh if if you're a philadelphia fan unacceptable like that's you you're, you're a super bowl contender and you're getting carved up by by kyler murray and james connor and michael wilson like that's that's you can't you can't have that but i I like the Eagles to win in January and in February if they get there because of what they can do on the offensive line, because of what Jalen Hurts can do individually. I think A.J. Brown is one of the very best receivers doing it. You get Dallas Goddard healthy. They need their defense to be a middle-of-the-road defense, and I think their offense is going to score. DeAndre Swift as well, really talented player. It sounds like Devontae Smith is going to be okay after getting rolled up on late in that game. 
uh, just a mild ankle sprain. So hopefully he'll be ready for the playoffs. And he gave me that group of weapons with Jalen Hurts, who I think is a is a legitimate kind of winning player. I I, I could see them grinding out a couple of those wins in the in the postseason, but I, I don't. I have zero conviction in saying. That. Well, they, they have not. Fight. They have not looked good for two months. They better find AJ Brown. AJ Brown's been on a milk carton lately. Yeah, it's crazy. So I, I I'll uh, go. With, way, I'll, I'll roll the with the Cardinals. Eagles, but. Yeah, uh, seeing the Cardinals, Drew Petzing, their first-year offensive coordinator, was with the Vikings and the Browns for a while. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on that guy, Drew Petzing. He's he's dialing up some cool stuff. Good to know. We're not talking about him because it's the Cardinals, but um, if they get some pieces, which you know they're in place to do, we can go. But, we can talk about that in the offseason. Yeah, good coach. Offseason forty tees up. Yeah. All right, let's get to let's get to fourth down here. All right, we're removing officials. Officiating yes. is not allowed. Doug, what was your worst of the week? Non-officiating. Non officiating category. Panthers owner David Tepper. I put Petter here. Maybe huh. David Tepper. <laughs> yeah, I was just tired. Throwing his drink at Jacksonville Jaguars fans. At some point in the Jaguars 26 to nothing demolition of the Panthers on Sunday, Tepper got all hot and bothered about the state of his team, threw his drink forward from the owner's box into a cadre of Jaguars fans. Mind you, he did this at Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville, and his team is now 2-14, and 14, so if he was going getting static from the locals, he shouldn't have been surprised. Uh, this seems to be standard operating procedure for a guy who seems bound and determined to be the NFL's worst and most mercurial owner since Dan Steiner got himself booted out of the league. Um, this is the third. He's been the owner for five years. Third year, he has fired a coach in season. He changed his practice facility over a beef with some money beef. Um, and if he's doing this to Jaguars fans, imagine what those meetings were with Frank Reich every week. Imagine just like like the the sheer soul sucking. Ugh, this guy he doesn't. You know, I think it was Andrew Brandt who does a lot of great stuff about the business <laughs> football was saying on Twitter Monday morning. The only thing you need to be a, an NFL owner is net worth. Your personality doesn't matter. Your character doesn't matter. And Tepper has proven that over and over. Um, and oh, by the way, all of a sudden DJ Moore is, you know, <laughs> Tory Holt for the Bears and Justin Fields is awesome. And now the Bears have your number one pick because you traded it away to get Bryce Young. And none of this is Bryce Young's fault, by the way, but you also have no talent. Congratulations. Well done. It was disappointing, too, because when David Tepper came in, it felt like, oh, this guy's going to be a little bit different. This guy, oh, okay. This guy wants to, you know, shed the Jerry Richardson. Uh, era and come in and be this kind of new style of NFL owner and like nope no he's just a rich guy who has no real idea how to own a football team well fortunately for any women and he has a temper fortunately for any female employees in the building he's not doing what Richardson did but that's true yeah not yeah yeah from a football from a football standpoint though yikes in a football sense yeah yeah so Uh, that's I just I'm like and I will have to mention, uh, oh, yeah, you you got into Dan Campbell's the, the penalty, post-penalty, so I'll leave that to you because that was I, – I was halfway into that, and I remember that I wrote about David Tepper. I'm like, and that's the worst. But, yeah, so, <laughs> so because well, let's, it, was, it was like Mike McCarthy and Dan Campbell were in a, a cigar boat race in the Florida Keys trying to see who could coach the worst. Unbelievable, man. So, I expect that from McCarthy, but Campbell surprised me. A thousand percent. And this is so the Mike McCarthy, the, the first one is there's there's two things from the Lions Cowboys game that have nothing to do with the officiating. First was Mike McCarthy's clock management after the late interception. Where have we heard that before? That that interception by Jared Goff 
with 211 left at Detroit's 26. Excuse me, Detroit's 29. That should be the ball game. Dallas has first and 10, two minutes and five seconds left. Detroit has two timeouts. They run it with Tony Pollard. There's the bad tripping call on, on Peyton Hendershot that should have gone on Aiden Hutchinson. That should have been the ball game. Yeah. Alas, they don't get that call. They get into a first and 25 now. Okay, so they throw it on first and 25 um, at the two-minute warning. Like, okay, that's that's fine. That's out of the two-minute warning. You throw it. I don't, I don't hate it there because they get 11. So now they're in second and 14 because they got to get back into field goal range now. So, okay. Mm-hmm. The second and 14 deep shot what that Dak had to just huck out of bounds mm. because Brandon cooks wasn't that I what I I don't understand that and then third and 14 uh they they have to throw it and they they get it to Jake Ferguson down to the 25 Detroit uses their third timeout but um Dallas could have burned another 40 seconds off had they just run it a couple times and they were in field goal range, that second down play call doesn't make any sense. And Mike McCarthy, after the game, this just kind of goes to show where, why, why I, I will never bank on a Mike McCarthy team in a big spot is because his explanation was, well, we wanted to put the game away. And I, I get what he's saying. Which I was kind of Dan Campbell's explanation too. Right, right, and that's that's the whole problem. So I don't play to lose. Like, okay, boss, <laughs> and I, and I get it, I get that. But the we want to put the game away is you're up four, okay? With let's say same situation, minute forty nine, they take their final timeout. You have fourth and goal at the one, and you're up by four, and they have no timeouts left. Running it there or trying to get it into the end zone is trying to put the game away. Because you're trying to score, you go up two scores with a minute 49, they have no time, game's over at that point. And if you don't get it, yeah, now they got to get a touchdown, they got to drive 99 yards, like that, that I get it. But just airing it out on second down and throwing it in completion and not forcing them to use a timeout, they ran 24 seconds off the clock. After getting an interception with two minutes and 11 seconds left, and then they settle for a field goal that allowed the Lions an opportunity to go down and, and either tie it or win it. Which the even I mean, at, even after the two minute warning, they could have run it down to like what one twenty, one thirty. Yeah, they could. Yeah, they like could have burned forty more minute, seconds. Less, less than a minute left for the Lions. It just it, it was it was baffling. And then the Dan Campbell aspect of this, where yes, his team got a host. I get. I I am fully there. Yeah. But you go for two in that spot because you're two yards away, and your chances of scoring from two yards away versus you know kicking the extra point then you got to get a stop and they got to go to overtime and then you got to get the ball and then you have to score a touchdown or get a stop and then go down and score there's a whole bunch of things that have to happen versus like scoring from two yards away that's easy right mm-hmm. you take you take those odds yeah when you get backed up just kick it just kick it man because now you're on tilt and mm-hmm. then they get the gift of a penalty but even still from four yards out like i'm still i'm still kicking that yet yeah. they kept going for two because it's like oh aggressive 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 the aggressive stuff only works when it makes sense like mathematically that's when it's defensible just going for it to go for it i thought we saw that earlier in the game too dan campbell not taking three points uh was right. that in the first half yeah yeah the, it, taking the instead of just taking the three goes for the end zone nothing they don't score well they lose by one in a game where they could add three extra points you know so um i just i thought the end of that game a lot of the bad coaching kind of got swept under the rug because of the uh, abomination of, of officiating, but man, outside of, outside of the officiating, 
uh, those two things were were pretty brutal from both coaches in that game. I'll add a third. Um, the reason the Lions could even be in that position to get hosed was because Dan Quinn, a lot of good coaches, their brains just oh, fell on their heads in the last yeah. two minutes of this game. Like you're you're a man match team. You're aggressive. You picked off Jared Goff two times. You've really confused the middle of the field for him. Why all of a sudden? And I don't like saying prevent defense because it's always more complicated than that. But why are you right. backing off now? Why are you backing off? Because you're afraid that Jared Goff is going to send you over the top. What are we doing here? And I, so that's what Jared Goff did. He singed him underneath. Here's 10 yards. Here's 15 yards. Boom, boom, boom. Wasn't until they got in the red zone that all of a sudden Quinn said, Oh, yeah, I'm going to play my defense again. And that and that's when it worked. But I would say that, and I love Dan Quinn. Loved him up here in Seattle. He's a yep. great defensive coach. Should be a head coach again. But yep. I I am I was I'm watching it on uh on broadcast, so I don't know exactly what the safeties are doing, but I'm thinking, mm. ooh, Lance playing off. That's weird. Yeah. Uh he's a press guy. Gilmore's playing off, he's a press guy. What are we doing here? Yeah. So I'll, wide, I'll open, wide open throws on the on the yeah. throws that Goff likes to make. So I think in the last two minutes of that, I think in the last two minutes of that game, everyone in the build, everyone who was on the field and in the coaching boxes, I think their brains all fell out of their heads at the same time. <laughs> we were all just going on, you know, it was like Don, just zombies walking around going, I will throw the ball. I, yeah. I, I legitimately, as, as the Lions are driving, it was so easy for them with those throws into the middle of the field that I'm looking at the score and I'm like, am I missing something here? Yeah. Are they up two scores? And no, sure enough, man. Just let them cruise on down and score a touchdown. Yeah. Happy birthday. Also, hey, the Jared Goff's throw on that last two-point conversion attempt was abominable. That was such a bad throw. Short of the sticks. You got to be better, man. You got if he hits his guy in stride, they they get it. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's left it short. He's a good good quarterback. He's not, you know, we talk about Lamar Jackson, the stuff he can do. I mean, he's, you know, he's Jared Goff. He's he's maximized his Goffness, and that's great. But there are going to be situations where, and this is a discussion the Lions have to have in the offseason. There's a discussion where you maybe need 90% instead of 80%. Yep. Yep. Maybe. I'm right there with you. All right. That's going to do it for four down territory, the penultimate one of the regular season. We got one more to do before we dive into the postseason. I really, really can't wait for that. Uh, Doug, really appreciate you as always, man. I uh, appreciate everybody for watching, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone.